Hello, Internet, and welcome to Only Lovers Book Club, where I get together with my two favorite Egyptian goddesses, and we read a romance. By the way, I'm wearing sunglasses in this hangout because I'm pretending I'm in, like, the desert, like I'm in Egypt, sun's in my eyes, but, like, I want to be able to see my, like, Egyptologist boyfriend, so I'm just, like, protecting my eyes. Um... So I had us read uh, The Book of Two Ways by Jody Picoult, or Picoult, <laughs> how I used to say it. <laughs> now, I made that joke in the chat. I don't know if anyone like laughed. I did not catch that joke at all. I saw I thought you, you were wrote. talking about Coquitex. <laughs> I that too. Right? That's what you thought too, Tushai? Because I because she you said it right after Tushai said the thing about peeing in the elevator. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, he pees. And, and I didn't really know what you meant, but I was like, haha. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, I, never get, well, I never get their jokes, you know? It's like <laughs> I literally it's be just because mean. for the longest time I I used to say Jody P. Colt. And um I think when I was at work, I worked at the bookstore. I think someone corrected me. Like, oh, it's typical. Like, it's just, it's normal. And I'm like, oh, well, I thought it was peopled. <laughs> anyway, no disrespect to Ms. Picole. Um, Yeah, I chose the book of two ways. And since I'm already talking, uh, let's, let's see what it's about. Why did I think we would like this book? <laughs> uh, everything changes in a single moment for Don Edelstein. She's on a plane when the flight attendant makes an announcement. Prepare for a crash landing. She braces herself as thoughts flash around her mind. The shocking thing is, the thoughts are not of her husband, but of a man she last saw 15 years ago, Wyatt Armstrong. Don miraculously survives the crash, but so do all of the doubts that have suddenly been raised. She has led a good life, Back in Boston, there is her husband, Brian, their beloved daughter, and her work as a death doula, in which she helps uh, the transition, helps ease the transition between life and death for her clients. But somewhere in Egypt is Wyatt Armstrong, who works as an archaeologist unearthing ancient burial sites, a career that Dawn once studied, but was forced to abandon when life suddenly intervened. And now, when it seems that fate is offering her second chances, she is not sure, uh, she is not as sure of the choice she made. <clears throat> ah, this is a long summary, but it's worth it, I guess. After the crash landing, the airline ensures that the survivors are seen by a doctor, then offers transportation to wherever they want to go. The obvious destination is to fly home, but she could take another path. Return to the archaeological sites she left years before, reconnect with Wyatt and their unresolved history, and maybe even complete her research on the Book of Two Ways, the first known map of the afterlife. As the story unfolds, Dawn's two possible futures unspool side by side. Calm down, Andrea. As do the secrets and doubts long buried with them. Dawn must confront the questions she's never truly asked. What does a life well lived look like? Um, when we leave this earth, what do we leave behind? Do we make choices or do our choices make us? And who would you be if you hadn't turned out the turned out to be the person you are right now? That sounds great. <laughs> That's not what I read. 
Yeah, I feel like I read that, but I also I was I I read some of that. I was I feel like Miss Miss Picoult she scammed all of us, but that's okay. Uh, and about the author, so Jodie Picoult is a prolific writer. Your mom's probably read one of her books. You probably cried watching one of the movies based on the book. So I'll just read. I'll just read what's on the back of the little flap here. I'll still include the about page to her uh, from her website. Jodie Picoult is the see Picoult. Jodie Picoult is the number one New York Times bestselling author of twenty four novels, including A Spark of Light. Small Great Things, Leaving Time, The Storyteller, Lone Wolf, Sing You Home, House Rules, Handle with Care, Change of Heart, 19 Minutes, and the one we've all heard about, My Sister's Keeper. She is also the, uh, the author with her daughter, Samantha Van Leer, of two young, young adult novels, Between the Lines and Off the Page. The cult lives in New Hampshire. And that's her. I kind of pictured Dawn like her, I'm not going to lie. I definitely pictured... <laughs> that was Don Edelstein whenever whenever I was thinking about Don and what I she looked like. I had the same reaction once I like actually saw the picture. I was like, this description <laughs> matches what I just read. I just looked it up and the internet says it's Pico. Is it Pico? Yes. Someone corrected me and they were wrong? Oh my god. You gotta go back to the store and Tell that person to fuck off. I'm going to beat my supervisors. Peter ass. P-E-E. And then K-O-E. Like P-C-O. Wow. I'm getting on a plane. We're going to go kick someone's ass. This changes everything. <laughs> I'm gonna, let's go. Okay, we have to start over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like, Si, sí, yo no sabía hasta que le escuché una entrevista y ella se presentó como pico. <laughs> well, look at that. Damn. Okay. Anyway, so the reason that I chose this book was one, I thought it sounded like some messy white ladies midlife crisis. And that's always, you know, that can always be entertaining to to watch happen. Um, I initially heard of this book because I took a how to read hieroglyphics class online with my friend Jadira. And uh, one of the people that consulted on this book, um, Colleen Darnell, she's on Instagram as like vintage Egyptologist. Um, she was giving that class. And at the end of it, she mentioned the book. And I told my friend, I said, hey, like, what? She wrote a book? Um, and Jadira was like, no, she consulted on this one book. And I read what it was about. And I said, this sounds like, you know, this sounds dramatic. And, you know, like, second chance at romance and you know it did sound really good <laughs> i don't know if it landed really well with everybody i don't know if this was it this was like a hit for all of us so let's go around andrea you can start if what works for you what didn't work for you and you know spoilers to anybody listening you know we're gonna go through this whole the whole book the premise so if you haven't read it pause go read it and come back or just just if you're not someone who cares about spoilers but is like really into Egyptology then fuck it just stay hang out listen <laughs> and let us know what you think okay. I gave it two stars um <laughs> so first of all I I really just wasn't a fan of how um the book was written like the style it was written in I don't know how to 
how else to say it other than like like if I hadn't been reading it for book club I probably wouldn't have finished it um so it's just like a combination of lots of little things like I wasn't a super fan of the writing style um I don't do very well with like heavy world building or heavy like historical contexts or like just like big information dumps. Like it's like very hard for me to picture things in my head sometimes when I'm reading. So I, I tend to like feel very lost. Like I don't I can't easily picture the things they're describing and I get like confused with names and stuff. So all of the Egypt stuff. Um, for someone who's really into that would have been great, but just for me personally was not hitting. Um, and then I just didn't really like any of the, cause sometimes if I really like a character, like that will help pull me through, but I just didn't really like all the characters. And so it, it was probably just going to be like a three star for me. Like it was just very like meh for me. Um, and then I got, you know, to the point where I realized everything had been a lie and I got very angry and it went down to a two. Um, just was not was not a fan. I think that kind of um, plot setup, um, I was telling Chris, like, I think works really well if you're reading like a psychological thriller or something where you're like you're reading it already knowing you're going to be lied to at some point and that your narrators are unreliable and like all these things like you know what you're getting into and so I think it works really well but like that's not what I was here for and so I just felt very disappointed that like <laughs> the entire book is about the fucking two ways and then there's no two ways I just couldn't handle that and I gave it a two because I didn't want to give it a one because I can't even remember the last time I gave a book a one but in my heart it was a one and on Goodreads it's a two and this was not for me. Okay. So I gave this book four stars, but I didn't give this book four stars because I liked the romance of it. I agree. I was <clears throat> let down in that this was not a book of two ways. This was a book of like, we're going one way, but we're taking like a shortcut in one direction. And then in the other direction, we're kind of like, taking the scene at root, but all roads lead back to this like same, same way. Um, and like, we I, all knew what way it was like. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, mean, even if it had been two ways, they weren't like two ways that were like <laughs> set up to be competitive. Like one was clearly. Yes. From the <laughs> okay. Romance wise, obviously like whatever. I, as soon as I'm like the Egyptologist and he's British, which I also then had, some mild beef with this because it's set in Egypt for more than half of the story and it's all white people drama. Yeah, except for the people who clean the house and the assistants at the Egyptology dig. Everybody Listen, else is I, white, I knew what which... I signed up for. I knew what yeah. I signed up for. I knew we were going to read some white people being stupid. I just didn't yeah, realize yeah. what category of stupid it was going to be. It's fine. It's fine. Where it was also <laughs> going to make me like I texted my sister late at night and I said, hey, I just thought of the thing that I want to tell you on my deathbed. I thought about what I wanted to say and I hope that I get to say it to you and that I don't die suddenly and surprisingly. Oh my <laughs> my God. sister was like, what the fuck? You should give her your email password and then save it in your drafts folder in case yeah, something wow. ever does happen. I, or like tell us so that we <clears throat> know. 
and we can you know, convey that. Yes. No, anyway, this book made me go slip. there. <laughs> well, okay. So, so the reason that I gave this four stars is because it wasn't because of the romance. It's because of the larger, like pseudo theological conversation. I I really liked the research and study part of it i liked the information about the egyptian dig and the research that was happening and um the the woman who you took the course with did a really good job because i i was very like interested in this information about the egyptology stuff i was also very interested in like the death doula job i feel like the description of it isn't realistic. Yeah, I told Chris, I was like, at some point in my life, I actually looked it up because I thought I would be really good at it. And then I realized that you make zero money. Yeah, no, it's definitely just a philanthropic like thing. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it sounds like a very intense situation. Like, I don't think I could ever be a death doula. I could definitely be the people who get paid to cry at a funeral like that. I would do that. I'm great at that. I would just be sobbing um very ugly like in a, in a very ugly way so the family would feel comfortable crying too but so I started reading this book before Thanksgiving break like I had borrowed it before before um end of November and then my grandma passed away and so I was reading this book and I already have a lot of anxieties when it comes to death and like meaning and what are we and, you know, hopelessness and all that stuff. Like I have a lot of existential dread just constantly. Everything, everything makes me super anxious. Like, I don't know what happened. I hit a point in my 20s when I realized we all die someday and I've never recovered. Like <laughs> I've never been okay since then. Um, and so reading the the technical part of it, the technical descriptions of death, all that stuff was very interesting. And then I had to go through a funeral and then go went through my own personal mourning process, went through all that with my parents to then finish the book afterwards. And so it was very, um, it was very intense. I think that there was value in the pure coincidence of the universe that that's the book that I happened to be reading when all of that went down. Um, and so I gave it a good review because <clears throat> it helped me, I think, more easily digest thoughts and feelings that I was going through at the time. Like, I, I appreciated that there's a whole school of thought and study dedicated to the experience of death because it is this thing that I'm just, like, petrified of. Like, it's my biggest fear. But yeah, so that's that's why I ended up giving the book a higher review. That's probably why I'm not going to forget about this book is because it happened to have come to me during a very difficult and not really expected time in my life. And I'm actually, I had bought a book on grief and grieving a while ago because I know that these are things that I have to work through and it's like something that I have to just figure out for myself in order to be able to live my life more fully. And I didn't finish reading that book. I kind of started it, but it was really hard to get through the first few pages because I'm still very deeply affected by the death of my other grandparents from 2009. So it's just, I think that's what it was. Like from then on, it's just been like a super tender subject for me. And so, yeah, I was like, Ugh. so 
gave me a lot of a lot of stuff to think about. I get what you're saying, Tashai. I I I definitely enjoyed like certain aspects of the book. I think I just couldn't separate that from the rest of the book. But you're right. It did have some like nice meditations. I'm glad that you found some kind of comfort in in reading about it. And I think that's kind of like the whole point of not like the death doula movement and like death positive movement. The more you know, the I don't think you're ever prepared, but I do think that you can have like our society, their thing is like our society wants to like turn a blind eye. We don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about dying. We don't ever want to face it. We don't ever, once it happens, we want to pretend it didn't happen, you know, that it's not going to happen to us. And I think that when, whenever anything whenever a family member dies, whenever something tragic happens, it doesn't even have to happen to like someone, but like whenever something tragic happens, like, oh my God, you know, it's this whole thing. It's, it's like a gut punch every time. And it's just because we have been brought up, we live in a society <laughs> and, and that's just how we view death. And so, yeah, I, I hear what both of you are saying. I do think because I am really interested in you know, archaeology in Egypt as a hobby. I was, I was just a hobby. I'm definitely that that student that came in because she was a fan of Brendan Fraser and the Mummy. That that line, that dig, that was meant for me, and I took it. I took that, and that, there was a line in the book that was like that, and I'm like, ah, ouch, Drea. <laughs> um, definitely you. I, I started reading this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised, Christina. Pick this book. Yeah, as I, soon as I saw Egyptology, I'm like, yep, this makes sense. That's yes, like, like I, if Andrea picked a book about like horse science and horse medicine and and a horse rancher and a horse doctor like i still enjoyed the egyptology stuff but i did feel like at some points in the book it did feel like filler i'm like why are we lingering on why are we lingering on this so much why do we have to get so technical on this right now i don't think that it needed to be quite as in depth as i mentioned before like thinking about death and any excuse that I can get to to really explore something that makes me fearful or that society has made me feel fearful of is a pretty good is a pretty good thing I too am afraid of flying I did not enjoy that first chapter but that being said like you know it's what maybe it some things that I just need to confront and need to deal with before I'm just like terrified in the moment of doing it, you know? So yeah, I, there were some things I definitely liked about this book. Um, the plot was not one of them. It just wasn't, it just wasn't it. It wasn't as exciting of a dramatic read as I thought it was going to be. Also, and this is, this might be like really petty, but like <laughs> I... I thought that the whole like drama with her husband was so stupid, right? Like she like it wasn't just me, right? Like it, like she could not let it go that he like dared to befriend someone that he might have found attractive. I'm like, ¿Qué te pasa? Like he didn't hook up with her. He didn't do shit. And yeah, and she just wouldn't let it go. Es una cosa like be mad about something, but then don't pretend like you're over it and then not let it go. Like I felt like he was stupid 
and like didn't realize what he was doing but then she just couldn't let it like if you really truly can't let it go then divorce the person but mm-hmm. don't be like pretending like you're gonna make you're okay with like mending everything and you're here to fix things but then like keep bringing it up every two seconds yeah he gave her an excuse to be like i'm gonna leave this life that is fine but is not amazing uh so let's talk about the guys <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the guys let's talk about wyatt and brian even their brian. fucking names was this really like a book of two ways and i feel like we've talked about how it's just not what do you think dawn chose to do but i feel like it's very obvious what she does she was like very she she like explicitly said it well the, bo- the book the point- the book is like i opened my mouth to answer and like leaves it open-ended but before that she had told um she had told Wyatt like yeah I love you I just need to like figure out the details or what like like the way I feel like she she never told her husband I I want this but she told Wyatt multiple times like Mm -hmm. I want this I just have to figure out like the stuff with my daughter I just have Mm -hmm. to figure out this like I didn't I I didn't think it was like a cliffhanger like I felt like it was pretty obvious what yeah I also think that there was like some conspiracy theorists on <laughs> on the um, on the Goodreads like boards or whatever. Basically, a couple of people were like, "Well, when she did decided not to give that paint that guy the painting, then that was a clue to show that she was going to stay in her marriage because that was just like a fling." But then other people were like, "You know." Um, she's clearly leaving for Egypt. Like, what the fuck yeah. are you thinking? So they were having, like, people were arguing about this on online and I was very also, excited to see that. I think, if anything, if anything, her not giving the guy, because she, she reaches out to him anyway. Like, she does eventually let him know that this woman, she, like, sends him the obituary. So she lets him know that this woman has passed away. And that, I think, is a hint. But... I don't think that her not giving him the letter is a sign of like, oh, she's going to end up with Brian. I think that was the best way that she could offer up some kind of like kindness to Brian to show him that the relationship wasn't worth nothing. Like he, because he was so reactive to this idea, I think it stuck with her and she did it as like a kindness to him as much as as a kindness to like the family that she didn't want to break up. I don't think it had anything to do with her relationship with Wyatt. I think it was just her being like, well, do I really want to destroy two families? Three. I just remembered another pet peeve of mine. I hate when like one action could have like prevented like an entire book. If he had just not hidden the fucking letters, we literally would not have had this entire book. Here's and when thing. I realized that, I got so mad because I hate, I hate. I, okay, here's the thing. I certainly, I don't mind. I think that's, I think that's a good like plot device. Obviously, I understand where Brian wouldn't say that, but you're going to tell me that Dawn was like, oh, so he did write. And then been like, okay, cool. I guess we're going to try to co-parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. She was so chill about it. I would have been furious. I would have beaten. I would know. And I think I would have beaten. Same. No, I never. Yeah, I would have spanked him with the letters. I would have 
had him tr- bend over and be like, <laughs> be like I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have spanked him, but I definitely would have been like, "Do you it's realize over. that by withholding by withholding this information, you effectively like trapped me in this relationship?" Like, I thought I had nothing else. You knew that I was dealing with, like, this terrible thing that had happened. And you chose to withhold this from me. And if you withheld it from me, it's because you knew deep down that this relationship wasn't strong enough to withhold my past. Mira, so, like, this is a relationship under false pretenses. I can't, that's how it started. With him, like, faking that he... Faking being in the... In the... Whatchamacallit? And, like, pretending... Yeah, hospice. Yeah, he was, like, coming in every day. But, like, like that's... That's fucking creepy. Like, that's his mom... Creepy. His grandma died, but like... He set it up, he set it up to sound, up. like, romantic. That is so creepy. Like, oh, I was like, listen, this is what I wrote. He needed him, but, like, no, that's not romantic. Here's, he, like, gets her what... coffee. He knows her lunch order. It's like, why are you still here, bro? I Here's the thing. He was trying to lock it down. I can't blame him, but he still he was trying to him... lock it. He was trying to lock during it down. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> during her misery, he was trying to basically trap her during an emotionally vulnerable window of time in her life. And honest, and I feel like the other people who worked in that hospice center wouldn't no. have let this. Wouldn't they were like, "Oh, it's in. so romantic." I'm like, "Dude, that's fucking creepy." No, like, you were hanging no around like end there. of life. Hanging out in an end of he life. He was literally home. hanging yeah. out, what? waiting for her mom to die to swoop yeah. in. He was waiting for her yeah, mom to die to swoop in. Whatever fucking little theories that I didn't understand, but I think we're supposed to like. Yeah, and here's the thing: like, how there people there was. There will be people out there who will defend Brian, and like, if Brian was like an actual person, there is a Brian out there somewhere. He'd be like, "No, it's like romantic," and like, "No, yeah, it's is- Harry Connick Jr." i'm just saying that some people will be like oh this is really romantic and i'm like i mean no it's actually i find it very nefarious this is the sub the subtitle that i put under that question where it's like let's talk about the guys wyatt did nothing wrong except for be a sexy rich asshole and brian is a piece of shit Hiding letters, emotional cheating, emotional manipulating, gaslighting, creep. That's what it says on my notes. <laughs> Who also has like no that. emotional like depth? Like, oh, you're a scientist, so you're terrible at no, context clues and having yeah, conversations. Like, that's not here's, real. Here's this, what didn't gel for me because like all of the effort that he's putting into like, so he's really. So he can't be emotionally stupid for one thing and then also for another, at least not in this universe that I'm going to believe. How is it that he can give, like, it felt like every time he had like a moment with Dawn where they were going to talk about salvaging their relationship, he would give like these truth bombs that would make her be like, holy wolf, holy, hold up. I need to save this marriage. He would give her like these little speeches about like, you don't realize this, but you were coming home to me. So let me get this straight. You can give all these truth bombs, but you couldn't like fucking figure out your TA was trying to fuck you that entire time. You couldn't figure out that she was giving you special attention. And then the guy, you know, the way that he like romances Dawn, like it's like you've clearly read a book and you've clearly watched a movie. Like, you know where this is going. And suddenly like, oh, now, you know, you've done a bad thing. And sure, she didn't get over it. 
right away. But he also literally never accepted that he did anything wrong. He never was like, he was always like, oh, well, what if I had had sex with her? Would you still be mad at me? And I'm like, motherfucker, that is not the point. The point is that you did something wrong and you need to say you're sorry. You need to say that you're sorry. You need to actually show me that you're remorseful. You need to lick my boots and show me that you actually feel bad for this thing that you Mira, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I feel like in all those fights, I would get more annoyed with her because she'd be like, ah, let's have sexy sex. And then like, fuck him like crazy. And then be like, oh, you bastard. I bet you were thinking about her. And he'd be like, what the fuck? Like, we just <laughs> because this, this scenario is the like most passionate thing that has ever happened has in ever a happened 15 year <laughs> marriage. This is the most sex they have ever had because she <laughs> finally saw that someone else might want to fuck this loser. And yeah. so she was like, oh no, like, mm, I need to stake my claim. Porque, and then she fucked him. And then she's like, I don't really want it. But... <laughs> it wasn't something like that. Oh, girl, I don't know. It was it was like the least sexy thing I can imagine. Like I'm just imagining him like like leaned over, like butt crack showing. I know that's not how it was in the book. I know, but that's how it's picture. She like cut her finger and he's like, Oh, let me get you a band-aid. And she's like, oh, I'm so hot for you right now. <laughs> like, oh, white people are fucking crazy. What's going on here? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It didn't make sense. Brian's character was just bad and i don't think wyatt was any better but he was just not as bad as brian at least like, wyatt, was, wyatt hot. was very and he's like hot smart and i was like yes i would absolutely have sex in the sand for a guy yeah. like that wyatt, you know what i mean like <laughs> wyatt just had some daddy issues wyatt just had some daddy that issues was, that's think, the biggest thing i think that was another one of my problems with the romance i sex couldn't recall the though, like it was so hot. It was so dusty. It was so sandy. But it, and I'm like, they we're so horny. Mm -mm 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 -mm. It's cold at night in the desert. Mm -hmm. It's cold at night. I'll give them that. It's cold at night. So, um, Dawn has like this moment where her, you know, where she sees like the paths that her life could have taken or whatever. Even though technically, structurally, that's not. That's a, the the book was a scam. It's not technically a book of two ways. It's or at least. It's not how it it's it's not how it makes it seem like, oh, these are two paths that she could have gone. It's just really a story told the out of order. In your life right now, how you are right now, do you think or do you feel like do you feel like life has these really big pivotal moments? And if you do, have you ever had like a moment like Dawn? Obviously not as like freaking traumatizing as falling out of the sky, but you know, is there ever a moment that you go back to where you're like this is the moment where my where I split and these the decisions that I made here changed my life. And if I had gone this way, then my life would be totally different. And I can go first if you need like time to think about it. Um, that moment for me is I had to think about it because I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask this big ass question and I don't know. I think I need to figure it out. And I think that. In life, there are a lot of little moments like that, but I think one of the biggest ones, the most recent one, is deciding to move to the United States, deciding after the hurricane that I'm going to quit teaching, finally doing it without like a real backup plan, and and moving to the states with Andrea, and you know being where I am now because of it. If I had, I think about it all the time. What if I'd never left? What if I had? just quit my job but like stayed on the island what would I be doing like what job would I have now like how my life would have turned out I don't I don't see it like I don't look in the past and think about 
of it with regret or anything, but I do think about, you know, what would it have been like if I had stayed on the island? Would I have, I, I wouldn't have had the opportunities. So would I have maybe started writing sooner? I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where I can't, I, I can't picture it as clearly as maybe Don or Jody Peacock would have had us think that we can have it planned out. But uh, maybe there is an alternate reality where Chris stayed on the island and became an entrepreneur <laughs> or something or, or figured it out or, or moved out and did something else. I don't know. That's mine where I definitely feel like that was a big moment in my life. Uh, what about you guys? Do you have anything like that that you'd like to share? So I was actually thinking about it because I feel like I have like a bunch that are like really depressing and I didn't want to go with like really depressing. So I found one that's like way more fun, but equally pivotal. And I would say it was um, my third year of college or somewhere between third and fourth year of college when I went to work at a camp called the Fresh Air Fund just outside of New York City. I was a camp counselor. And that is the summer that I let myself be romanced by a female and discovered that I was not straight, <laughs> as I had always thought. <laughs> and had I not gone to work at that camp and met um, the person that I did, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had always been raised to believe I was like one thing and the, like there were no other options. And I was like, I just hadn't let myself ever like think about that um and so it took being like <laughs> out in the woods <laughs> um I guess um for it to happen and so yeah I don't know as someone who like discovered that uh, she was queer kind of later in life than than a lot of people I I don't know I don't know if it would have happened or when it would have happened um so yeah I'm I'm thankful that because that you know I ended up having a relationship with her and I then ended up exploring like other queer relationships too and and it was literally all because I was like I want to go help at-risk kids in New York you know <laughs> um so yeah cool cool thank you for sharing thank you summer, for sharing summer camp love <laughs> I definitely think you would have been gay you just would have been well maybe take a little uh, maybe in a different along. setting more quietly gay also that's your that's your fucking adult romance novel oh, yeah. once you're ready to write your your adult story oh my gosh like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh but it would it would be like more new adult i guess right because it's like yeah. In college yeah it is whatever what is it? it's, um, it's gonna be I it was, yeah it was a lot of like perfect i think she was like very androgynous and so i think that's oh my god it, that's why i left my guard down you know what i mean it was like oh did you have do you have a title for it to shy <laughs> Uh, what year was this? Uh, Do you have a rough year? 2009? Sapphic it? Summer 09. <laughs> Sapphic Summer 09. <laughs> Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs> to read it on Don't ever Thursday. change! I went, I went to stay with her in Queens one weekend when we were off from summer camp and she took me to like my first like she was like very butch so she took me to like a super like butch club somewhere yeah. in new york city where i was like 
You paid the for zero. Only drinks. one who clearly stood out. Uh, adult, <laughs> adult summer camp romance. Um, where Andrea realized, like, oh, this massage is making me feel things. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the moment where I was like, "Am I gay?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What? Uh, what about you, Tashai? Do you have your, your what was the pivotal moment? At least what, or what was a pivotal moment in your life where things definitely could have gone um, one way or the other? So I think the the less dramatic one was choosing to pursue English when I went to college instead of biology, because I was really torn between following a science-based career path and a career in the arts. So I think that kind of affected me because if I had done science. I don't think I would have left PR. Like, I think I would have stayed there and been involved in some sort of research studies there. I would have found something to do. Like my cousin's doing something similar now. He's studying like animal husbandry and sciences and whatever. And, and he's getting very involved with like aquatic life production, whatever. Like he, he in through no like communication or influence has ended up kind of following a path that is almost like what mine would have been, which is like a super trip to to watch. And I'm very envious because he's doing really cool stuff. But definitely the like biggest pivotal moment was just moving to New York was, you know, 10 years ago, I, you know, got accepted into school and took a giant loan that I didn't understand the ramifications of and did not understand the complications that would arise from making that decision but I saw it as the only way that I could leave and I had you know it was the kind of thing where if I hadn't gotten into a school I probably never would have left because you know how close I am with my family and it 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 took something like that to propel me to leave and you know, when I get really sad and really depressed about not being with my family, my parents are very quick to tell me, like, you would not have achieved. Like, you you weren't, like, meant to stay here. You needed to see beyond what was going on on the island. Like, you've always been so curious. You've always wanted to meet all these sorts of people. Like, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you had stayed. And so that that's definitely, like, the the incendiary like mo like the I me mean, definitely wouldn't have part. met a bulgarian man in pr that's for sure i <laughs> i didn't meet i didn't meet my first vegetarian until i had my first semester of school in new york like i had never met a vegetarian before i'm still friends with her on instagram and and i still remember when she when we like talked about going to taco bell and she's like oh i'm a vegetarian i was like I, what like that's real <laughs> that? that's like a real thing like I didn't have hummus until I moved to New York. I there's so much that I didn't that I just didn't know that I didn't have exposure to. I didn't know people who were I didn't know that many people who were openly gay. I didn't know that many people who just or like anyone in other places a Christian. Yeah, I didn't know anybody who was like an atheist. I met my first Jewish person when I moved to New York. Like it really became this whole thing where like I have to look at the bigger picture of it sometimes because I get really frustrated that I haven't done everything that I set my set like my mind to. But when you, when I do try to take that like step back path of my life, things that I've achieved, things that I haven't achieved, 
I have grown so much because of that one decision. And it's not necessarily that I achieved everything that I meant to achieve, but I definitely am a lot more thoughtful than I was before I ever moved. I try to be a lot more open-minded. I try to have a lot more perspectives. And all of that is just directly correlates to the fact that I made the hardest decision I've ever had to do, like to make, which was leave my family behind. And it's still really hard. And that's why I cry every time that I say goodbye to them when I go visit them and I get homesick all the time and I call them all the time. Like, just because you made the decision doesn't mean that it ever gets easy Mm -hmm. having made the decision. But like, I had to do it. If I hadn't done it, like. Yeah. So now I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of like alternate reality, right? So the moment, right that moment. And then like, you know what happens in this one. So in the other one, I'm imagining Drea being like, very straight for a couple more years until <laughs> until something else would have happened girl you know you can't you can't outrun vegan baker yeah something it would have been something close quarters or whatever but then but then i'm imagining like if it had happened like later you know then like you both have your fiancés now so like would you have met your partner the partners that you're in with the partners that you're with right now like what would that look like if if you know if that happened later on down the line you know or like if to shy if you had stayed and I don't think that you wouldn't have like I think that you probably would have become like a very prestigious you could have become a very prestigious marine biologist and you know met your first vegetarian in a conference that you went to where you were in this life not nervous to present in front of <laughs> you know, how to save the manatees. I do think we can all agree, though, that saying saying yes to only lovers was also a pivotal moment. You know because what? Now here we are six years later. Here we are. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. Because not only is it like, oh, we're reading romance books and we've been doing this forever, but there's been a lot of like personal growth and just acquiring new perspectives that were just a natural result of the kinds of books that we then started challenging each other to read and that's something that I tell people when we when I tell them about book club I say you know we're really trying to make ourselves read more diversely because that's the only way that you can get a brighter clearer understanding of the perspectives of everyone around you like you have to force yourself to read things that are different. Otherwise, right. everything's always like, going to sound you, the same. If you didn't ask yourself, would I fuck someone to save humankind? I mean, like, <laughs> how are you, you going to ever <laughs> be an empathetic person? <laughs> I think because the book didn't have as much romance and didn't have that mu- as much drama as I anticipated, but it did have, like, a lot of contemplative things in it. And I did want to, like, you know, I, I do think that well, starting this book club after that fucking breakup, that trauma, traumatizing breakup, was probably one of the better, best ideas I've ever had. Yo, oh my god, that was a big pivotal part of your life too, by the way, because yes. you would have been married and yeah. pregnant and with no friends. Yeah, I would have lost my friendship with you. I would have le- staying with him meant that I was choosing him over you, and then that would have been the end. I mean, here's the thing: I would not have necessarily let that happen. Yeah, I would have just upped my sneakiness of trying to get to you. 
Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be pretty sneaky. And then maybe I would have, like, at some point ended up getting into a physical altercation with him. I'm not going to lie. I feel yeah. like I could have taken him. You could have. He, he, he looked big, but he was just pudgy. Yeah. His, he was a, it wasn't strong. Thank you for uh, speaking it out this far into the Hangout. Um, we had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> we had a lot of thoughts. And as always, I'm just grateful that I'm able to talk about him with you guys. Um, and that this is the timeline where I get to chill with you guys. Um, so we will be back together to record uh, at the end of the month with the final pick of the year, which is Tishai's pick, which is a sweet, sweet uh, young adult pick. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are staying safe. Wash your masks. Boosted. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Thank you for hanging out with us. You can support Only Lovers Book Club by dropping some change in our tip jar and buying some books with our bookshop link. You can find us on Instagram at Only Lovers Book Club and from there find our individual accounts and projects. Feel free to favorite or rate us if that's an option for you, but always make sure to like and subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode.